Hello, and welcome to this Real Deals podcast hosted in association with Rutland Partners. I'm your host, Nicholas Neveling, and on today's program, we are going to be looking into how private equity firms work with their management teams. Private equity firms have a variety of value creation tools to draw on when working with portfolio companies, but perhaps none as important as the management teams they partner with. The relationship with management will often decide whether a firm backs a deal in the first place or not, and rare is the deal where a private equity firm won't strengthen a management team during its hold period. To help understand the nature of the private equity firm management team dynamic, I'm joined by two guests. Ben Slatter is a partner at Rutland Partners, and Mark Andrews is the chief executive of Rutland portfolio company, Armitage Pet Care. By way of background, Armitage is the UK's largest independent manufacturer of premium branded pet products. Rutland first backed the business in September 2017, investing in the deal from its third fund. Mark joined the business as chief executive soon after in April 2018, after holding various senior management roles during a successful career at Mars, and has worked closely with Ben at Rutland to deliver a period of double-digit revenue growth at Armitage. Um, Ben, Mark, welcome. It's lovely to to have you with us uh, today. Um, And Mark, maybe if I could just direct a first question to you, um, and this relates to to COVID-19. Obviously, it's uh, front of mind. Uh, It's something that everybody's had had to deal with over the last six months. But I just wanted to ask you, how has Armitage traded through the lockdown period? Um, and how has your interaction with your private equity backer had to adapt, you know, when we have social distancing and, and we're maybe not able to, to meet people as, as easily and, and regularly in, in person as, as we normally would? Yeah, well, thank you, Nicholas. Trading for Armitage has, has gone well, I'm pleased to say, um, over the last four months, um, over the COVID period. We've had to deal with some... Uh, quite significant supply disruption over that time, um, but demand has held up well, and the team at Armitage have adapted very well to the, the new circumstances that we found ourselves in. Yeah, well, the first thing is we haven't seen each other, I think, since February. Ben and I were working this out a bit earlier, um, so it's all been remote working for well, since the beginning of the year. The other thing which has had to change, there's been a lot more frequent contact between myself, uh, Ben, and my leadership team, and also the chairman of the board as well, um, making sure that everybody's up to date on performance and where we stand regarding the the current issues. Um, And it has meant that we've had to make some quick decisions outside of the usual cycle of uh, uh, monthly board meetings, which I have to say has, has all worked very well. Um, and on top of that, we've had our usual monthly meetings via, via teams. And, you know, fortunately, we, we already had a good work relationship as a, as a board um, and with the, myself and Ben and myself and the chairman before coronavirus happened. So it, that has really helped us navigate through the, the COVID period together. Hey Mark, thank you. I mean, it's it's really interesting to hear how how businesses have have adapted, and, and and you know, it's great to hear that that companies have been able to to carry on trading well that despite everything that's that's been thrown thrown at them. Um, ben, I wondered if I could come to you and and just ask you a similar question about you know looking across the entire Rutland portfolio. And maybe just try and get a sense of of what the key priorities and and focus areas um, 
have been for you and also what you've really wanted your management teams to be on on top of through this you know very strange period yeah thanks nicholas so you know we've got a portfolio of seven businesses um, they all face different challenges through the covid period i think just touching on a point that mark raised i think the frequency of communication has been absolutely critical so being in touch with all of those portfolio companies really sort of continuously to understand and assess the various issues that they've faced and try and react to them has been really important. I think you know, the early phase of it was clearly focused on protecting employees in the workplace, adapting to working from home, understanding the various government support schemes that have been put in place. Um, and then you know, really company by company, the critical thing for us was getting a realistic assessment of the challenges that the businesses were facing and reforecasting in the short and medium term to identify scales of issues where they arose and, and to react accordingly. And really important in that is liquidity and preserving liquidity. So weekly cash flow forecasting important in all businesses. And we did it in Armitage, which was training really well, but you know, had its own issues on the supply chain, as Mark said. But even from the ones that are performing well, that was a hugely important tool that we put in place. Um, and through to the ones that were more challenged in terms of mothballing operations and so on, uh, having that forecasting was absolutely critical to then you know, address the cost base and reduce costs and activities where required. Um, important for the teams to really communicate well with all stakeholders, including banks, suppliers, customers. So we were keen to see that happen. And actually now coming out of lockdown, the focus more switched to you know, predicting and looking at the profile of recovery, which is different for every business. So that balancing act of matching the costs to activity and revenue um, is different across all the portfolio. And we're spending a, a lot of time on that now. And I think the last point I make is actually, there's some really interesting opportunities that come out of COVID to adapt the way the businesses operate and the way we do things. And in some cases, we're making some really interesting permanent changes for the better within the businesses. Uh, ben, just to come back to you, I, I wondered if you could just tell me about how Rutland firstly first found out about Armitage and how the deal came about. Okay, so we were first introduced to Armitage way back in 2013 through an intermediary who were appointed to find a buyer. Um, we met the team and assessed the business at the time as being in an interesting space, but it was a bit on the small side. And it was overly reliant on actually the toys and accessories part of the business. So kind of view at the time was that there was not enough resilience in, in the model that we saw. And that process, you know, we, we stepped out of it, um, but the business failed to sell. Um, but the important point is we you know, like the um, opportunity or like the sector and we stayed in touch with the owners of that business for the next few years as the business was developing. So. In 2016, we had a further approach from the same intermediary and you know, they came to us and us alone um, saying that they'd enjoyed those earlier discussions and we built up a level of trust through them and wanted you know, to come to us for a first look before they opened it up wider. So um, the business had performed well over that period. Growth had been impressive and the treats was um, much more important to the story and the opportunity. The market remained attractive. Um, but it was clear to us that it was going to be quite a complex transaction, which I think it was the reason behind the, the vendor coming to us in the way they did. So the business wasn't prepared for sale. Um, the team that was in place at the time 
had done a good job, but they weren't committed to the transaction and they certainly weren't fronting a deal. There was lack of strategic thinking in the business. There was no business plan prepared. And operationally, the business was absolutely a breaking point. So it was starved of investment. Customer service was starting to suffer. And um, with the growth rates that the business was instating, um, we were seeing, um, operations was, was, were close to falling over and the growth could not have been sustained going forward. So there were lots of issues that needed to be worked through. And the vendors were looking for you know, a buyer who would work through those issues, build an investment case and be straightforward to deal with and be deliverable on a deal at a fair price. And that's exactly how we set about going through the transaction. And you know, that was what we did. We delivered on the deal that we said we delivered to the vendors, um, having done all the running and work to make the transaction happen. So you know, a complicated deal on the way in. And an investment plan that we landed on was based around significant investment in the cost base to support further growth. So you know, the warehouse was at capacity and needed to be moved. The IT system was still on a green screen IT and needed a, a new ERP. The procurement capability was poor for a business that sources all its product from China. The brand was underinvested, the good boy brand. Um, and the team needed development. So, you know, wholesale operational change and team change. And we went over the line of the deal, appointing an executive chairman who you know, helped look at the deal with us. And he was someone not with industry experience, but with a restructuring background. So it was important for us to have him in place to ensure the business that we bought was stable. And together we spent the first six months post-deal refining the strategy and building or starting to build the right team to deliver. So as you lose these um, six months in, in April following the deal, on the same day we recruited Mark as chief exec and a new FD. So, um, you know, and then, then we really started to execute the rest of the plan post their arrival. And Marcus, I mean, what are your recollections of, of when you were first introduced to, to Armitage and indeed Rutland? So, yeah, I was very interested in working for a P-owned business uh, when I left Mars and met Ben and Rutland you know, during the, the time I spent meeting a number of PE firms. Uh, I joined Armitage, as Ben said, in April 2018. And what really, you know, there's a number of things which really attracted me a uh, to the role. One, I've spent most of my, all of my career working on uh, consumer brands, particularly in food, but most of the time working in the pet care category, which um, I always have really enjoyed. So it was great to get back into, into pet. I love leading business transformation. Um, and as you've heard from Ben, that was the job that needed to be done with Armitage, you know, great growth track record, but really the, the business needed to be transforming transformed so that it could realize the significant potential growth potential it had in front of it um, and yeah it was a PE backed firm and you know I really love the accountability that goes alongside of that so that's what really attracted me to to working with uh, Rutland and Armitage. And I just wanted to move on to to a few questions uh, looking at how how Rutland interacts with with management teams in in, in a bit more detail. Mark if I could come back to you um, Rutland is obviously a, a firm that, that has a strong focus on, on operations. And I think that came through when, when Ben was, was explaining the, the origination of, of the Armitage deal. Um, 
So I just wanted to ask you, where does that line sit between, you know, hands-on engaged investor and, and an investor that is interfering? So this is my first experience of private equity. So I'll talk about how it worked with myself, Anna, and then the, sorry, myself, Ben, and the, the executive chairman at Rutland. Um, very early on, you know, I, I got some really good advice going into PE, which is, you know, keep, keep your chairman and the, and the PE firm well informed. Um, you know, don't leave them, you know, at, at arm's length to make sure that, that they're part of the team, which sits very well with me as a way of working. And so very early on with the chairman and Ben, we set about agreeing, you know, how decisions were going to get made. Um, because that's, you know, that's where in interference becomes a problem. If, if it's not clear between all parties, you know, who makes what decision and how those decisions get made. So, you know, decision-making is a really good sort of framework in which to set responsibilities and you know, who needs to do what. Having said all of that, uh, you know, what, what I really valued along the way in terms of the working relationship with uh, Ben and the chairman is, is making sure that it's all very open and that um, we can talk, you know, we can talk very openly about what's going on, um, the challenge is welcomed and accepted. Um, as is expert help where it's needed. Um, but as long as we stick to the way in which decisions get made and you know the meetings and the events which we use to make those decisions and those roles are clear, then you know it, it all works fine. And that's actually how it's it's panned out. You know, we're looking for kind of a focus on the chief execs, chief execs that are you know, driven and ambitious is obviously really important. Um, clear and strategic think you know, clear strategic thinkers is is critical and you know particularly for rutland where we're focused on often more complex situations the ability to think strategically and clearly and to drive through change but also adapt to bumps in the road and to change direction sort of quickly is really important um, so for the chief execs to be able to think on their feet and to be able to, um, to, to, be able to, to react in that way and, and to think clearly is, is, is critical. Um, I think other thing that's absolutely important for the chief execs is to be really good leaders and to build good teams because they can't do it on their own. And that's something that Mark's done really well in Armitage and you know, the capability of the business as that team grows and develops and if you get the balance right um, just is just enhances the ability to drive the business forwards and, and deliver value and a good exit wanted to move on to to what what the future plans are now for for armitage and and again sort of come back to to how management team and and private equity firm will will work together on on the on the next phase of of the business's journey um, Mark, if I could come back to you again, um, right, lockdown's obviously easing now. Uh, hopefully things are, are starting to return to normal. Um, what are your plans for, for Armitage? And, and I'm specifically interested in, in whether you have had to reforecast at all um, or whether you've just been able to sort of pick up from, from where you left off pre-lockdown. Um, obviously it sounds like trading has has been fairly stable despite everything. So, you know, where's the business now and, and, and what path are you, are you looking to, to, to follow as, as we sort of come out of the other side of, of, of everything that's happened? Well, we just finished 
the financial year at the end of May and delivered another year of, of double digit growth. It's been a, you know, it was a very busy year and we got a lot of the things done that Ben talked about at the beginning of the call. And one of the things I was very pleased with, we managed to get our ER, new ERP system installed uh, just as we were you know, right in the middle of lockdown. So coming out of May and into June, which has uh, gone very well. So really impressed with how the business and how the team have operated um, over the lockdown. And you know, key for me and the leadership team is how we keep the momentum going during you know, some very difficult, difficult times during the, the, the COVID lockdown. And um, over that period, we've written the budget for this year. We have you know, really looked again at our forward-looking plan, um, not for the next 12 months, but for the next two or three years. And have also made some, you know, investments in capability in order to get ourselves set up for that. So, looking forward, you know, as much as possible, we are going after the strategy that we've got for the business, and we're having to adapt, make changes to the way we work in order to to do that. Um, but I'm a firm believer: once you have momentum, you do whatever you can to keep it because uh, it's such an important source of energy um, for the business. So, going forward, it, it really is about um, keeping the business trading at a really good level and keep putting those investments in place to enable the business to, to grow and thrive um, in the, the, the months ahead. Okay, thanks Mark. And I mean, uh, great that, that you have been able to, to still show that growth, um, you know, despite lockdown and, and, and that you're pretty much on course, which is, uh, which is good to hear. Um, right, Ben, I, I know the, the, the focus for, or for any manager is, is, is ultimately is ultimately exit. So I hope you don't mind me me asking. I, I know there isn't much deal activity um, around at the minute, but uh, I'm sure you do have your exit route planned. It sounds like Mark's very much on track to to de, you know deliver numbers as per plan. Um, what, what are your options or, or, or timeline for for Armitage? And I just also wanted to ask if and when the time comes, um, how involved are management teams in deciding an exit route and and how comfortable are you, or, or indeed not, with with Mark or, or any other CEO for that matter, getting in touch with with prospective buyers before that formal sales process starts? Sorry, a bunch of questions there, but hopefully the the gist of it is coming through. Yeah, so I think you know, in terms of our exit timing, you know, when we assess deals, we look at a three to four year time period. We're not yet at our third anniversary of the Armitage deal, but I think the important thing for us is that the operational plan that was put in place to support and continue growth has now been executed so with the delivery of the ERP system that Mark talked about that was the last stage so you know operationally we've completely rebuilt the team through Mark and our executive chairman is no longer an executive chairman he's taking a very traditional non-executive role because that's all that's needed and operationally the business has the platform to support growth. So we're really pleased that that's been executed. So the challenge now is to sort of balance, you know, at what point do we seek an exit given the very strong growth trajectory that the business is on. So we've got some very exciting products in the pipeline. We're about to launch a new range of cat treats with one of our major customers in early September. So very keen to see that in and, and launched. And you know, then we will, yes, we're always assessing what, what time to, to think about selling. So management, of course, involved in that decision. 
you know, we talk about timing of exit almost marked from sort of not many months after you joined. It's, it's always something that we've talked about. And you know, they will, of course, be involved in that decision when it comes. Um, we would absolutely encourage Mark and other chief execs to meet prospective buyers before sales processes. So and I'm a firm believer in, um, in teams across all sectors, meeting their competitors, knowing their competitors, particularly those that may end up becoming potential trade buyers down the line. You know, trade always take longer to react to, um, to, to businesses in an M&A situation. Um, so the more engagement you've got up front and the more knowledge there is between businesses and where businesses might fit together and, and have synergies and be complementary, then that can only be a positive. So, uh, and we've done that with, with Armitage as much as we have with any other business. Thanks, Ben. Uh, again, really interesting insights. Uh, do you, to Mark and to Ben, do you sort of have a conversation about meetings that, that you've, you've had? Is it sort of an understanding that if anybody has approached either one of you, you you'll sort of share that? Or are you relatively relaxed to just, to just let either side have those conversations and, and, and have the discussion about the exit route as and when the, uh, the matter arises? Can I take that one first? Yeah, go for it, Mark. Yeah, so, yeah, I've been uh, very, very clear with Ben about those meetings when they've happened, um, when they're going to happen and, you know, how they went and what's come out of it. I think you know, that's one of, one of the things I really like about this working arrangement is, you know, the, the alignment of what success looks like is, is very very similar between both parties, PE and, and management. So I think it's in the best interest for, for that to be out in the open because um, we're both trying to achieve the same thing by and large. So that's how it's worked. Um, and it's, you know, it's worked that way coming back from Ben as well. Yeah, Ben, any, any, any thoughts from, from your side? Um, it sounds like you're very much on the same page, but I, I don't know if you had anything to, to add to, to what no, I want. Think it, yeah, I, I think being sort of open and transparent is key across all aspects of the business and engagement with your third parties who may or may not become purchasers of the business is no different. So, um, you know, it's important to build the trust between, you know, the, the P house and the, the chief exec and, you know, us having discussions behind their backs with potential exit parties would, would not endear us to our management teams. I know some do that. Um, we do not think that's the right way to uh, approach the relationships with our teams. So, you know, we're very honest and transparent with them. Okay. And I, I think this leads on to, to one last question I, I wanted to ask uh, to each of you uh, before we wrap. Um, and, and this was just with, re with respect to, to advice uh, both of you would offer to a management team uh, working with private equity. Um, Maybe Ben, if I could direct this to you first, and then Mark, if you could close. Um, so, right, if you if you are to offer advice to a chief executive taking on uh, a first role with a private equity business back business, what would it be? What would you say is absolutely crucial to to deliver on to keep your sponsor happy? And and what are the things that that are absolutely a must to to avoid? Um, yeah, Ben, and then Mark, if if you could follow up to to close. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's come through 
in this um, in this call already for um, for the teams to be absolutely honest and open and transparent with the, the PE backer. So um, that's really right from the beginning. And if you build the relationship right from the, the, the upfront with you know, frequent communication as well, um, you know, then we, when you do hit bumps in the road, issues need to be addressed. You've got that relationship. Um, as a platform to go and tackle those issues so and issues do come along so I, I would absolutely say do not be afraid to admit if something's not working or direction needs to be changed or issues of original because of course they do you know, plans are rarely executed um, without some sort of change of direction or some issue along the way actually what defines the teams is how they respond to those challenges and how they um, you know how they adapt and, uh, and successfully tackle those issues. So um, avoiding surprises is, is, is absolutely part of that. So if you've got that relationship, um, there shouldn't be surprises. So, you know, it's expectation management and, and avoiding you know, issues coming up that are not aware. No, no one likes an issue that you've not been able to think about in advance or trail with colleagues um, from where required. So that would be my, my key takeaway for teams. Okay, and uh, Mark, I mean, you, this is your first private equity role. What, what lessons have you learned and, and, and what advice could, could, could you offer to, to people who are maybe in the same position now that, that you were in uh, you know, two years ago when, when you first took this position? Yeah, so to, I mean, I'm going to echo some of what Ben has said, and I'll have a bit on top, but you know, the, this whole idea of no surprises is, is really important. Um, you know, one of the things I love about working in this environment, the P environment, is the speed at which you can get things done. Um, you know, that's uh, enormously energizing. Sometimes, you know, you, most of the time you hope you're going to get those things right. Sometimes they don't quite work out. Um, but if you want to do things fast, you've, got to, you've also got to earn the trust of, of your stakeholders. And so, you know, them knowing that there aren't going to be surprises is really important to you know, earning that sort of space to go and do what you need to do in order to move the business forward quickly. Um, and so it does work both ways, you know, you, being transparent and honest and straightforward with Ben and with the chairman has meant that that's also come back the other way. And so, you know, it's the, the, like the board of the business then feels that there's nothing that is hidden. And that's important for the management team as well as it is for the PIFA and so it does work both ways so um, obviously if there are issues you want to come in and say look here's an issue and this is how you want to approach it and that would be my advice don't communicate every little thing every minute it happens but make sure you communicate the big things and with an, with an approach to how you're going to tackle it and expect to be challenged on that approach but you know that engagement then in, ensures that you end up with a the best and, and a well-supported um, solution to whatever issues come along. So that, that would be my key piece of advice. Mark, Ben, thanks very much for your time and your insights. And thank you to everyone for listening. Goodbye.